We Wear the Ring, Episode 7, Conference Season Arrives. Welcome back to Kane fans to another episode of We Wear the Ring. This is, of course, a podcast about Duquesne sports and the people who love them. The holidays have settled down. The crazy cluster of gatherings for both family and friends are over for now anyway. So we're back to it. And by we, I mean myself, Dave and my co-host, Steve. Steve, we have some snow on the ground here. I assume the same is true for you. Well, I, don't know. I mean, you're up in the mountains. So, I mean, that's you must have like two or three feet, you know, up there. So... I'm just before the mountains. We're on the the cusp, the oh, edge really? of glory, okay. if you will. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I thought you were actually in the mountains. So, no, we, we've got about two inches here. So, um, mm-hmm. procrastinated, finally shoveled my sidewalk about 20 minutes ago. We, uh, uh, we record this, for those of you that don't know, we record this at about 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, which I believe is the most popular time to record podcasts after 1 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. So, um, you know, so, so I, 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 you know, I farted around today. Let's, let's put it that way. It was a lazy Sunday as they, as they say. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, gotta love those though. When they come around, there doesn't feel like they're often enough anymore. Uh, so before we get into things, I want to ask if you would just tell one other Duquesne fan about the show, that'd be fantastic. And of course, by you, I mean the listener and not you, Steve, though, if you did that, that would be fine too. Um, word of mouth is all we have. Uh, it might be somebody who's drifted away over the years. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be excited right now. Let's get them into the conversation. Maybe it's somebody who's heard about this podcast thing, but doesn't know what they listen to or where to begin. Well, there's not a lot of Duke's talk out there. So let us sate that desire. Uh, please also give us feedback we'd love to see a review we'd love to hear about things you'd like to see on the show of course you have the review function on itunes and other podcatchers and dave at wewearthering.net is me please reach out i'd love to hear from you so we're going to talk about the men's basketball games the women's basketball games and then we're going to talk about early surprises in the a10 on the men's side if there are any probably there are a couple so let's start with the men uh we start the Atlantic 10 season 2-1. and one. In fact, let's say right now, both the men and the women have started 2-1. and one. Uh, The men began conference play with Davidson. You know, Steve, they were in it the whole game. Yeah, I thought they had an excellent performance. Uh, you know, again, we always have to say this after a loss when we, we actually praise the team. I mean, there's no such thing as a moral victory anymore. But at the same time, I really genuinely thought they played one of their more complete games of the season against Davidson. Um, you know, we've been talking on this show repeatedly, you know, we're getting 30-minute performances, 30-minute performances. But, you know, I really felt like they played the full 40. And, I, you know, I, it's a shame they lost. But, I mean, ultimately that's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, game that they're going to have the rest of the season. So, you know, fine moral victory. I suppose so. I, I think if I had to pin a moment that took them out of it, I think it was the carry foul when he went for a steal in the closing minutes. Now, this is not to pin the loss on him at all. I think he approaches that situation differently in the future. But yeah, he really bit hard trying to get a steal. Uh, he ended up clipping the guy. It, it looked incidental to me, but I understand you got to be in control of yourself. Uh, and, of course, that resulted in a foul. Uh, he sank the uh, uh, Davidson player. I can't remember who was shooting, but he sank them both. And uh, that just started to put things out of reach for Duquesne. Uh, I, I think that's probably the moment where it was like, all right, the, the game's over. Yeah, I mean, I think that was, uh, that was definitely kind of the deciding factor. I mean, I believe it was Kellen Grady that he fouled. And I mean, when you send him to the line, he's not going to miss. So, I mean, I, I, you know, if I remember correctly, that ran it up to two possessions. Um, you know, it's it was going to be tough coming back. It, strangely, Davidson's not exactly known for the defensive prowess, but I thought they had an excellent defensive game from beginning to end. I don't know what you thought about that. Uh, I, I think so. And I mean, Dan Brott, of course, likes defense, but we, we've seen he's run a little bit up tempo as well when uh, the need has presented itself. It's interesting, the balance that we're seeing, it really does look like he's sort of tailoring the strategy in that way to the opponent, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think you you kind of have to. I mean, um, you know, I mean, in, in not, to tr- not, not to transition into the Fordham game necessarily, but, you know, we heard a lot about how they were game planning and practicing that week 
against that weird defense that they run, you know. So, you know, the nice thing is, is he's not going to jam his system in, you know, down somebody's throat. He's going to do what he needs to do uh, against teams to to get the win. I mean, I, I you know, he's, um you know, generally speaking, he's he's gone pretty pressured heavy defense all year. Um, you know, a lot of full That's court true. pressure, pressure. Um, they got burnt badly against NJIT with it. They totally backed off it in the, the Davidson game. So yeah, he's absolutely making those, those, uh, those adjustments, whether it's defensive or offensive. Well, what I, I think I appreciated about the Davidson game is that we did not really see them push over aggressively the way we have a few other times this season. We talked in the last episode about how it feels like when they're doing things in transition, um, they, they get a little bit out of control. And I didn't really see, I, I saw some, some forced passes, but I, I did, I don't, I don't think I quite saw the same extent of them anyway with Davidson. They were a little bit more disciplined. Yeah. As always, I think they kind of got bunched together in that Davidson game, but you know, I, I do, um, I do agree with you. I mean, I, and I think maybe we're just sort of starting to see the product of this team gelling a, a little bit more. I mean, you know, you're still going to have some turnovers. I mean, this is, a, you know, this is a, a group of players that likes to aggressively, um, you know, find, I don't want to say um, highlight real things, but, you know, I mean, you, you, you there's been a lot of alley-oops this year. There's been a lot of, you know, passes that lead to, uh, that, that can lead to a dunk or a big finish. Um you know, I mean, I, I think that we're going to see some there. They do take risks on offense, which isn't always a bad thing. I, I mean, you know, as long as you can minimize the amount of times that you screw up that risk. Um, I'm thinking in one circumstance in particular, uh, you know, again, not to jump too far ahead, but uh, in the St. Joe's game where uh, uh, Sincere Carey threw up a, an alley-oop pass to uh, to to. Uh, Eric Williams Jr. and he got blocked by the side of the backboard. Um, you know, would have been amazing if he had finished, but at the same time, you know, th those are the kind of turnovers you don't mind too too much. Yeah, in general, I, I think they're they're starting to learn their limits with one another. I think sure. you're right. I, I think and I hope it's it is the team starting to gel. I I, I don't know for sure. I don't know. Uh, so, Steve, we've already touched upon a little bit. Uh, of course, we have the Fordham game now. Also, uh, we, now, now we start to get a win here, right? It was a close game, but then I think Fordham is probably a confusing team right now, not just in terms of their defense, but in terms of what they're bringing night to night. Yeah, I mean, they have some really, really good players, I think, on this team. They've got a good young core together, really good group of guards which probably means they're going to fire their coach in the offseason. That really does seem to be their, their MO at Fordham. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really, you know, they came in with to, to the Atlantic 10 with nine wins. I mean, they were very suspect wins because of the teams that they faced and the teams they actually beat and, and a handful of teams they also lost to. But at the same time, though, I, I didn't come away thinking that they were a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. No, I, I think I looked at them and I looked at a couple others, and we'll probably talk about this in the future. And I thought, you know, fair to Midland. Um, certainly not. I, I did not have any designs on them, like, staying towards the top of the conference the way uh, they placed at the end of non-con. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they look like a solid middle-of-the-pack team. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's probably, you know, they're going to compete with some of the other bottom feeders to stay out of the cellar. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to necessarily avoid the last or the uh, – the first day of the tournament. Um, but I don't think it's out of the question that they will. I mean, I, I definitely do think that they can, um, you know, they got a nice, that, that core of guards led by Nick honor. I mean, that's a good group there. Um, you know, I, I really have, uh, nothing to complain about with them. You know, what I really did like about this game was that, you know, Fordham kept it close but Duquesne was more or less in control for much of the game. I think Fordham took the lead briefly in the second half. But other than that, I mean, if you if you look at like the chart on ESPN, right, where it has a little graph of how the the two teams compared, Duquesne is more or less in control for like the vast majority of this game. And I, I, I like, you know, we've had some comeback wins and those have been close. We've had a couple of bigger wins against some lower tier teams. But I like to see where the game a game where the dukes can just consistently stay 
ahead of the pace that the other team is setting. And I, I think you're going to have to win some of those too. And I think now we, we've seen that the Dukes are capable of winning a variety of games, a variety of types of games. I think Fordham had a a 100% three-point shooting percentage on uh, on shots where Duquesne was looking like they were about to run away with the game. I, I think that there were there, there were at least a couple of occasions where the Dukes ran it to three possessions and Fordham actually uh, nailed a, a three-pointer on the ensuing possession to sort of tighten it back up again. So they really never went away. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was pretty impressive about that game is I didn't think that Duquesne really had maybe the best performance of the year from Sincere Carey or Michael Hughes. Um, so it was nice to get a win with, you know, Eric Williams Jr., obviously excellent in the second half, um, but with, with some of your secondary and, and performers coming in and having big games. Like Amari Kelly, um, that was a huge lift for them it was certainly Amari Kelly's best effort this year uh in just 23 minutes I, I thought he looked really good I thought uh, Marcus Weathers did really nice yeah. uh, that game as well um which is something that the Dukes have needed to see is a little bit more coming out of that four yeah Marcus Weathers has double digit scoring in every uh, or I shouldn't say every single there haven't been that many to call it every single but in each of the first three Atlantic 10 games you know he's scored 10 or more points so I uh, you know He's all, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if things are maybe the rust is coming off there. I'm wondering if he's starting to head in the right direction. I'm hoping so. I mean, it's certainly something that the Dukes need. It's it's the spot where they've really been missing presence from, right? Like here and there, we've gotten something from Rotroff. We've gotten now something a couple of times from Weathers. And now, of course, Kelly uh, has stepped in as well. We, we need more consistent effort from the four. Um, and... If, if Weathers is hitting his stride, then fantastic. And if Kelly is showing that he's going to be able to, he, he's developing just a little bit more, then uh, he's going to be able to contribute good minutes. And now we can start to feel more comfortable with what we're getting from the four. And that should also hopefully take some pressure off of Hughes at the center. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's really been the go-to for any offense in the post so far this year. Um, they can't have a one-man show down there. That's, they're just not a good enough perimeter shooting team. I shouldn't say a good enough. I should say consistent enough perimeter sh shooting team. Um, they need that post presence, and and you know you can't expect one person to just be on every single game, especially not as a sophomore big. You know, I can understand it maybe if he's you know heading into his the, the home stretch of his senior season. Um, you know, but you, you know again he's a you know granted he's a junior and in. in class standing but at the same time you know he also didn't play last year either didn't even really practice because of his knee injury so I, I mean you know what they've gotten from him is outstanding but anybody that can take the pressure off of him would be absolutely welcome uh, for certain especially since he's got a little bit of uh little bit of a thing he's been fighting you know the last couple True. of games of course uh, coach limited him in minutes in the Fordham game I think we did see him return to form against St. Joe's and uh, we should talk about that right now the Dukes won a close one against a St. Joe's team that I'm telling you is not as bad as their 0-4 A-10 start no I, I actually said to somebody that sat in front of me at the game um, that they're basically the Atlantic 10 men's basketball equivalent of our women's basketball team in the sense that this is a team that was expected to do big things and compete for the conference title coming into the season, and they just haven't gotten it together. Like, there's just something that's not going quite their way. I mean, the talent's absolutely there. I mean, Charlie Brown is maybe the best, um, it, you know, one of the best, if not the best player in the conference. Um, you know, not sure how well he holds a football for a kicker, but, um, you know, or wait. That wasn't him. That was Lucy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Lucy. Oh, crap. You know, but I, I, I was really thinking about that while I was watching the game. But yeah, I mean, okay. I had to make some kind of reference. But, I mean, oh, it of course, shows of course. that I'm, you know, a, um, a an older millennial in the sense that I don't know my, my Charlie Brown lore just off the top of my head, so. You know, he really has been the uh, the star for them game in and game out, and really, he... he I think he tried to pick up his team and carry them on his back this game. Not, not, not to... Uh, discount the contributions that Bynum and Kimball had, but my goodness, uh, and 
I mean, he uh, twenty eight points. I mean, he, he just he was all over the place, all over the place. Yeah, and, and credit to Duquesne, they did an amazing job defending him the last two minutes of the game. He didn't get hardly any touches. Um, you know, I, I mean, granted, you know, you've got to try to get him the ball um, if you're Phil Martelli, but you know, I, I, you know, the work that um, Frankie Hughes and uh, Eric Williams did on him where he just really didn't get any space. I mean, I know he got, mm-hmm. um, I know he got, you know, one or two shots down the stretch, but I mean, you want him touching the ball in a close game, every single possession. If, if you're the Hawks. Sure. Sure. Uh, and of course, let's also point out that the game is close, but not maybe quite as close as the final score would indicate. Of course, they did make that three uh, right at the very end of the game. It, it really did not matter uh, e- even slightly. Um, you know, it, it was it was a two possession game, despite the fact that they were just a point apart. Uh, you know, you're talking a little bit about what's going on with St. Joe's this year and uh, this might be as good a part as any to discuss if we could do it here or in the future. You know, so for a few years now, uh, off and on, I guess, since the Jameer Nelson Delante West season when St. Joe's was undefeated, number one seed, you know, famously sparred with some other coaches about did they deserve that or not. People have been saying, hey, Martelli, uh, you're losing some steam. And people have been talking about, you know, should St. Joe's get rid of him? And it does sound like some pressure might be mounting again now amongst Hawks fans. You know, I, I, I thought a few years ago, he's got to do something else. He's got to do something else that's other than he had Jameer Nelson and Delonte West once upon a time. Then, of course, made the tournament, did a decent showing in it, and okay, fine. Well, it feels like he's at that point again. Are they finally right? Is it finally, is Martelli reaching the end of his rope with St. John, St. Joe's? I don't think so. I, I really think that, you know, this team has some tank left in the steam, or some steam left in the tank, assuming that, uh, Brown sticks around again next year. Um, I actually think, you know, yeah, sure, they flopped this year, but I really do think that they're going to have a chance at the tournament again next year. And they, most of these guys are, are still very young. I mean, this isn't an old roster, and that's kind of what Martelli's lived and died on is he has a great recruiting class, um, or he, he goes on a run, has a great recruiting class after those players graduate. They stink for a couple of years, but then they develop as a group and eventually they get back to that level again. So it's just been this Martelli cycle. I, I mean, if you if you follow the team and you don't understand that, then and you're calling for his head now, it's kind of like shame on you. It's like at some point you do a good enough job that you know, you, you get a little bit of a leash, you know, even if, I mean, let's say this, this, this cycle doesn't go quite as well as, as some of the previous ones have, you know, there's, there should be some flexibility there. I mean, he is getting up there in age though. I, I mean, truth be told, I, I mean, he's probably isn't going to be coaching much longer. I wouldn't think, um, at this point, though, the guy's done so much for your school. You know, let him hang around. Let him go out on his terms, or at least, you know, let him let him make it look like it's his terms. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the only thing I could say to that is that Philadelphians have not historically done a great job with trusting the process. True. So true. It is what it is. Um, uh, but returning to the game here, I think this was probably one of Weather's best games this year. Uh, continues a streak of having some solid performances in A-10. So hopefully, as we already said, he's going to continue to develop. And the only other thing i got to say, Steve, is I hope that uh, Oliver has a quick and uneventful recovery. That did not look good at all. No, I was uh, sitting about 20 feet from there, and uh, I wasn't exactly sure why the whistle was blown on that play. And then I sort of looked directly into his knee, and it was gruesome. It was, uh, it, it was, it was certainly a, uh, a a degree of deformity. Let's call it that way. That's the nicest way that I can put it. Um, you know, it was it was pretty brutal. I mean, I, I thought you know, kudos to the uh, to the responders. Uh, I thought they did an, an amazing job. Uh, you know, just to, 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 to make him as comfortable as they possibly could to get him off the court. I, I mean, you know, we, we talk, you know, I've heard people talk about the standing ovation. I've heard people talk about the Duquesne players praying. I've heard, uh, you know, talk about St. Joe's coming over and, you know, coming across court and, 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 and 
the whole team, you know, showing their support. But I haven't heard much about the folks that that were actually the medical responders. And I, again, they did a fantastic job, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I can't really add a whole lot more to it than that. Um, uh, just again, hope he has a quick and uneventful recovery. I'm sure he's got a little bit of a road ahead of him for that. Um, finally, the next game is at Richmond, so we will be looking forward to seeing what the Dukes can do there. Moving on to the women's basketball team, also a 2-1 start to the 8-10. Uh, we start off with St. Bonaventure. They got a win they needed, especially since it's on the road, and there's no tougher place to play men's or women's than Ole in New York. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't think that this is the St. Bonaventure teams that we're used to seeing or that kind of the classic ones, you know, I mean, St. Bonaventure, they had a very good team, you know, around the time that Duquesne started their climb up the Atlantic 10. They're about a 200-ish RPI team, but I, I mean, you, you definitely take any road wins, um, especially in Olean. Absolutely the case. Absolutely the case. Um, what I what I liked was what uh, Juliana did from the bench. Uh, you know, of course, we still have Juliana and uh, Amagrasso um, uh, playing from the bench right now. Uh, Amanda Kalen making the most of her time as a starter there with uh, with with some points. Uh, what what I what I didn't like was that it was another iffy first quarter. But the Dukes really um, took the reins for most of the rest of the game. Uh, I, I really I really can't complain there. And this was a team that really should be with how they're playing right now, and they did. So it's a win that they need. You start off at the Atlantic 10 play, 1-0, uh, hopefully can kind of wash off the non-conference questions and, and move forward in the A-10 season. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to have plenty of opportunities to do that. I mean, you know, I, I said that, you know, St. Bonaventure was in the 200 range. I mean, they're actually kind of middle of the pack uh, in terms of RPI for the Atlantic 10. I, at the moment, there is no one zero teams in the top 100 in RPI for women's basketball right now. That is, that is not good. Um, you know, but at the same time, uh, it kind of goes to show you that Duquesne's not the only team that's struggling in the league so far this year. Uh, no. And we've talked about it before with, uh, you know, Dayton, they tried at a pretty ambitious non-conference schedule, much like Duquesne did, didn't really work out for them. Uh, of course, George Washington, historically good and not so much right now. Um, I, I don't really know what else to say about the St. Bona game other than it's a win they needed. It's a win they should have gotten and they did. So that's wonderful. Uh, moving on to Davidson. The first half was fine. The second half, uh, whatever adjustment Davidson made at halftime, it was a good one. Uh, because they came out and just shellacked the Dukes in the uh, in the third quarter and really carried that through the remainder of the second half. Um, uh, you know, this one, I I, I I I don't really know what to say. I I don't know if it's a question of switching up the starting lineup is is starting to catch up to them. It's just not going to work. I don't know how long Dan Burt ten, is, is intending to do this. Um, Amagrasso did do all right. Um, but, you know, Amanda Kalen finally ran out of steam. Uh, Kadrian Lass was limited, and she's done quite well lately. And uh, Connor, to that point, has not yet found a touch. Now, granted, you have her for her defense primarily, not so much her scoring, but she is somebody you need to look to to get a few uh, buckets. And uh, not a lot happening there either. That will change a little bit with the next game, but... Yeah, and, and I think Dan Burt's fiery comments after the game, you know, where, where he really took the team to task, sort of summed up everything that you need to know about um, the, the Davidson game. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have any direct quotes or anything like that, and I'm not going to try to do it out of memory, but, I mean, they were pretty brutal. I mean, I, I think he's uh, generally seen as, as, as a player's coach, but at the same time, you know, he he didn't uh, he didn't leave much out um, of of his press conference, and and, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping that the the players got the message. Um, but uh, the, the you know just a kind of a summary. I mean, it it's you know it sounded uh, sounded like he felt this team was a little entitled based on on where they were predicted to to finish at the beginning of the season. You know, um, and 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 ultimately based on you know, what they had accomplished in the past. Um, and that really ultimately, again, the talent's not indicative of the results. Um, you know, but I, I mean, we've been saying that all along. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really, 
I guess, confused by by a few different things. I mean, you know, Dan Burt's talked a lot about Soleil and how talented he believes that she is. Um, she's she's gotten some minutes. It, it's been a while since I feel like Soleil's contributed really positively to a game. Um and of course, we have the underperformance of, of, of Amagrasso, Voinovich from time to time, and uh, really just the rest of the team. I know that you expected Connor Richardson to be there from the beginning, and maybe the non-conference would have looked very different had Connor Richardson been in there healthy, ready to go from the start, but, but she wasn't, and you got to respond. I mean, you knew leading into the season that that was going to be the case. Sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any way around that. No. Uh, but regardless... Um, that was a tough game. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't really know what else to say about about that one. Um, I will say that it's difficult sometimes to t- to talk about the women's games because it's a lot harder to follow the women's team, and hopefully that's something that the the A10 can find a way to to figure out as well. Uh, it's great when you have the feed on ESPN Plus. Uh, that hasn't always been the case. Sometimes there are feeds in places that I can't see them. So uh, nonetheless. Let's talk about the George Mason game just earlier today. Dukes win by three. Now, talk about halftime adjustments. Oh, my yeah. gosh. They came out in the third quarter like gangbusters. I mean, they really took it to George Mason. It was fast-paced. It was high-scoring. They did awesome. And they let that continue into the fourth. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say they were badly outplayed in the first half at all. But they really, really came out in the second ready to play. And that was awesome. It was great to finally see Connor Richardson score 11 points. Yep. Uh, she contributed in a lot of different ways. Um, Voinovich back in the starting lineup. Uh, Amagrasso contributed decently enough from the uh, from the bench. You know, hopefully, hopefully that's something to see. You know, Voinovich uh, got back in the lineup um, kind of to the detriment of Amanda Kalen, who returns to the bench and unfortunately didn't do a whole lot in her 12 minutes of play. No, I mean, you know, just looking up and down the, the, uh, the lineup, I mean, you know, um, you know, Richardson, obviously that was a, that's a heck of a performance from her though. I mean, she was, she was awesome. Super, super efficient, like four of seven, you know, 11 points. I mean, 26 minutes. That's the key stat there too, for me is it's nice to really see her ramp back up into probably, Maybe not her normal load of minutes, but pretty darn close to it. You know, um, loss was very, very good. Um, you know, 50% of her threes, um, but, you know, uh, not super effective inside, um, you know, considering she went seven for 21 overall. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Bert laid into his players the same way that he laid into the them at the uh, the press conference, um, probably with a, a little less uh, censorship um, at, at halftime against George Mason today. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, credit for them. I mean, they they obviously responded. Be lovely to think that this second half of this game was kind of the. Uh, you know the the spark that they'll need to, uh, to to get through the rest of the season um you know but but who knows at least uh, again they avoided another bad loss and and ultimately again you know 8 and 8 overall uh they're they're at the very least they're they're 2 and 1 to start the conference season and it's not a bad position to be in uh, no it's not i i have to hope i mean I have to hope Juliana's back in the starting lineup, not because uh, Kayla needed to be bumped, but because whatever he was trying to get across got across. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, as far as uh, Kadrian Loss, um, the only thing that bugs me about her shooting today was that she she wasn't really drawing fouls either. Sure, you know she she sure. didn't get the line at all. In, in fact, and if you're gonna go. Seven for twenty-one. If you're gonna keep doing that, I mean, she took a lot of shots today. It made me think of, gosh, who was that Fordham guard like four or five years ago? Uh, like would score a ton, but also like had a field goal percentage of like negative five. Um, kind of made me think of that. You, you need some smarter shots. You need to do some of that in, in traffic if you if you're gonna play that position and um, and draw some fouls. And and she did not really do that at all. Were you, were you talking about John Severe? Was it Severe? Yeah, maybe the so. case. Yeah, I think so. 
almost came to Duquesne. Kind of uh, one of those. That's right. One of those bullets dodged. So, most likely. But uh, regardless of that, um, I I also like they're they're taking decent care of the ball, which has been a little bit iffy for them um, on on uh, the women's side as it has been on the men's side. You know, they had like 19 turnovers, I want to say, against uh, Davidson, 20-something like that. Um, but they really took care of the ball today. And, uh, you know, George Mason is not a, a terrible, terrible team. In fact, they're, they're also 8-8. Eight and eight. And in fact, they came into the conference 8-5, uh, and five, I believe. So... Yeah, haven't gotten off to the a, a very good start in conference. Uh, I mean, they're 0-3, no. but... Um, you know, yeah, they're, they're, again, they're, they're pretty much on par with the Bonnies in terms of RPI so far. So, I mean, again, that's a middle of the pack Atlantic 10 team this year. Sad as it is to say 200 RPI is, but, um, you know, it's just not, not a very good conference at the moment. No, unfortunately it's not. Now that we're, depending on the team anyway, three or maybe four games into the Atlantic 10 conference season, it's time to look and see, well, what are the early surprises? Who started out hot? Who started out not? Should they have? I don't know. In general, some teams that have entered looking fair to middling have sank. Some teams that have been towards the bottom are somehow doing quite well. So, let's talk, Steve, about some of the early surprises in this A-10 season. Uh, but first, I want to say, uh, you, you called it, probably not a hard thing to call, but uh, St. Bonaventure, of course, is 2-1 and one after a pretty poor non-conference schedule, and that those two wins, of course, coming by way of Ole in New York. Yeah, they are, um, again, they're not a bad team. I don't really know if they've played a... a tricky schedule so far. I mean, I think they... they I know they... They lost to George Mason. Uh, I know they beat Fordham. Um, I can't rem- quite remember off the top. St. Joe's was it St. Joe's? Okay, mm-hmm. so they they've played a couple of um, the two teams they've beaten haven't beaten anybody else in the league so far. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, again, you know, they're they're making the most of their opportunities. I mean, I guess I'm not super surprised that they're two and one right now. When another, you know, team that I threw out as I was. Chatting there, you know, uh, George Mason, I mean, I am pretty surprised by them, you know, because they have actually, um, you know, they, they've, they've beaten some good teams so far. Um, you know, they, they crushed, absolutely crushed uh, St. Joe's, um, beat, you know, beat St. Bonaventure pretty solidly, uh, and then today went on the road and, and, and took it to Rhode Island. Um, they sure did. Yeah, I mean, that is... Um, that that was a heck of a game, or that's a that's a heck of a, a three results for them. Especially the road the, the Rhode Island game is pretty convincing because I mean I I don't really think that they're as good as I think people thought they were, um, but at the same time they're not a bad team either. I mean I, I I can't see them finishing much lower than seven or eight at at the absolute worst. No, their one loss uh, was to Davidson, and even that, they kept it pretty tight at the end. I mean, uh, D- Davidson had gotten some good separation against them, um, as I recall, just kind of watching the scores change from afar. But uh, they, they tightened it up towards the end, so um, certainly a lot uh, going well for them right now. And I, I'll agree, I was surprised as well. Uh, they did not have a particularly impressive uh, non-conference season you know they were one of the teams that had some opportunities to go up and help the a10 make a little bit of a name and of course uh well didn't uh sadly yeah i mean they they really got off to a bad bad start um they've been they they did get better as the um as as the non-conference season went along i mean they you know they lost to american and georgia southern um actually that's not that bad of a loss now and i'm looking at it again but uh penn um, you know, their, their first few games. Then after that, they really did tighten it up and, and they eventually, uh, you know, they, they didn't beat anybody spectacular. I don't think, um, looking at their, uh, their record, uh, coming into the league, but I mean, at the same time, they didn't lose to anybody bad after that point either. Um, you know, they beat the teams they were supposed to after the first, you know, couple, um, of just weird ones. Um, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, if we're going to talk about surprises to the good, I would say George Mason is is the biggest surprise for me so far. Uh, definitely. I, I mean, 
then, I mean, you know, St. Bonaventure, again, I go back to that. They haven't really been tested. You're right. And of course, their wins do come at Olean. But I think the impact to talk about there is more the fact that, you know, they did so badly um, out of conference that now here here we go. There's the couple of wins. It's going to kind of drag things down for the A-10 because Olean is just mm-hmm. tough to play. You yeah. know, I, I have to be curious what's going to happen when they play. You know, the, the George Mason game was at George Mason. They play George Mason again later this year in Olean, New York. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to develop as well, just because of the reputation that they have. Even in bad years, it seems that it works for them, and I, sure. I don't know why that is. Um, Rhode Island, uh, speaking of um, you know teams that, that George Mason has beat, um, George Mason beat them pretty handily today, in, in, in fact. And I, I, was a bit, I was a bit surprised by that. I, I thought... You know, Rhode Island is obviously kind of reloading sure. um, after uh, being depleted from last year. But uh, nonetheless, I thought they'd do a little bit better against St. Louis. I thought they'd do a little bit better against George Mason. It's not a team I necessarily expected. I expected at least a couple of tight games there. Yeah, I mean, I I guess their they're one game, to, to their credit, I mean, they did go into Richmond and uh, and, and pulled out a nice, nice win there. Although... Um, I'm, again, I'm not really sure about Richmond this year. That's a team that I still don't have a very good handle on. I guess we'll have a better handle after Wednesday. Um, that, I guess so. You know, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's they're, – they're just uh, – Rhode Island is – I mean, I think they have a couple of really nice pieces. But, I, I mean, at the same time, um, you know, the, to, to recover from the loss of the coach like Dan Hurley – um, you know, and they lost some some really excellent players last year too. So, I mean, you know, so so all of those things combined, I mean, you know, there it's it, it, if people didn't expect a rebuild this year, um, they were kind of nuts, uh, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I don't know if I would have expected them with a one and two start. Um, looking at where the other two teams were and. And, and, and also looking at the fact that, you know, George Mason was coming to them. It wasn't like they were going to Fairfax. Well, you know, it, to me, it's especially considering that uh, Rhode Island did not have that bad an out-of-conference. No, uh, no. They, they really didn't. They, they, they played pretty well. So I thought they would come into A-10 play with just a little bit more going on. That said, I mean, if you, if you do look at their – if you like patterns, look at the Rhode Island uh, schedule because I think it goes like – with one or two exceptions, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. But like they, they really did alternate almost every game, sure. um, except for like one little hiccup in that fun pattern. Um, so I, I guess there is that. Yeah, I mean, despite the hype with the West Virginia win, I mean, I don't even, you know, I, I, there's not really a marquee victory on that slate. I mean, you know, I, I guess Brown is currently uh, 82 RPI. So, I mean, I guess they've got that going for them. But, I mean, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they tallied the wins at least. I mean, you can't exactly say that most of the league did that non-conference this year. So, No, that's absolutely true. Um, I, I, I was a little – I thought VCU was going to kind of be head and shoulders above everybody, and then Davidson went and beat them. Yeah. Um, and now I have to feel like Duquesne is probably going to be capable of hanging with any of these top teams. No, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, you know, you know they're they're two and one. I mean, granted, again, their two wins like St. Bonaventure have been against bottom tier teams, but you know, again, they they hung tough with Davidson. I mean, um, I, I got to give credit to Davidson though. I mean, they are the one loss in three teams two and one start. Um, so I mean, they've they've actually. If anybody's impressed me just in terms of, of, of what they might be able to do in conference or maybe change my opinion of them a little bit, it's them. Um, because, again, I mean, I, I do think that Duquesne's maybe a little underrated at the moment. George Mason was a team that was expected to be very, very good coming into the season, and they're finally looking like they're finding their stride. Um, again, VCU, though, to me, uh, I, I thought they were looking like the team to beat. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think Davidson is – absolutely taken that crown off their head i think so and i mean you don't want to just say i guess necessarily from 
from only one game, but I, I think also the way that they, they did it. I mean, it was a comeback win. Um, VCU, like, broke it out in the second half, and it looked like they were in control, and then they just went, like, flat for the last four minutes. I don't think they got a bucket until the very end, uh, and it didn't matter at that point. Um, so, like, whatever whatever they did, whatever changed, I, 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 I don't know, whatever adjustment they made, um, I, I take a lot from winning in that way. I mean, you could look at it as VCU had him for a lot of the game and then just didn't in the end. But um, the way that Davidson came back and that just is really demoralizing if you're a team like VCU. Yeah, I mean, no question about that. I, you know, it's, um, you know, I, but I do think VCU is going to bounce back. I mean, I, I think they are a good team. I'm not, you know, I'm not super surprised that they lost that game, but I am very, very impressed that Davidson's taken all three. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I I was only a little surprised because I thought it did look like, I mean, nobody had a great non-conference in the Atlantic 10. Nobody no, did. No, but not, absolutely not. Just, it, 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 VCU has probably one of the more experienced groups, experienced coaching, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sure, they're far gone from the days of havoc and everything like that. But nonetheless, they, you know, had a lot to hang their hat on. And so I kind of took for granted maybe that that experience would just kind of start to run away with things now it, it's a long conference season it may yet but that's why the Davidson loss did uh shock me a little bit plus it also comes down to you know I, I you say you said a couple of times now I don't know really what to think of Richmond I don't really you know Fordham no. is confusing no. etc I, I think you could probably point to just about any team in the Atlantic 10 right now and say I'm not really sure you know, let, let's let's St. Louis, uh, Katari Gordon. I think that's how you say his first name. I'm not yeah. 100% sure, and I apologize. Uh, he transfers, you yeah. know, and, now, and yet they're 3-0. and Now they've not been tested too badly, but uh, losing him certainly doesn't seem to have hurt them. Now he was like, what, like nine-ish points a game and stuff like that. I mean, he was he wasn't top tier, but sure. he was a contributor. And you expect that's going to impact chemistry much in the way that you expect that maybe Mike Lewis leaving is going to impact some stuff for Duquesne. Sure. Uh, that that's surprising too. They're three and zero right now. Yeah, I mean that's definitely going to impact their rotation. I mean, I think he was looked at to be a star for them moving forward. So I mean, I, I think that's going to be a big issue for them, um, you know, down the road in particular. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at their wins, I mean, nothing really stands out as incredibly impressive. I mean, they did a decent job on Rhode Island in their own building. Um, Barely lost to, uh, or bare, you know, beat beat UMass by a basket. Um, I mean, I don't think the Minutemen have particularly impressed me much so far. Um, you know, I, they they lost again today. Uh, LaSalle. Um, I mean, that was uh, that was a game that could have gone either way. You know, and I, I don't think LaSalle is a particularly good team at the moment. Although I, I believe they've been playing better of late. Um, you know, they did beat UMass already so to their credit um you know but and you know what they did hang tough with vcu as well so i don't know maybe uh maybe lasalle's starting to get their stuff together after you know winning a whopping two games before the the conference season maybe they'll be this year's richmond where they're just you know that that team that sucks you know <laughs> in in the non-conference that just spoils the season for other teams in the in the league so but who knows? So yeah, I, I guess LaSalle is the one team you could say you're not totally confused by in the conference. But even like, it, it just feels like uh, outside of maybe the outside of maybe the the twelve and fours and eleven and fives overall right now. I think you have to look at everybody. And it's like wow, you you know win loss win loss or win win loss mm -hmm. loss win just back and forth back and forth. No, it, it, it's hard to find identity. With sure. a lot of the teams, and I think sure. that's I think that's really what it comes down to. It's uh, their lack of consistency makes it difficult to understand what their identity is this year. With some teams like okay, Mooney's been there forever with Richmond. We know what he's going. We know what he's trying to do sure. with them. Um, whether or not they're successful, they're inconsistent. Martelli has been with St. Joe's forever. We know what he's trying to do. Um, but uh, beyond the identity that some of the coaches bring, I think with the amount of inconsistency that the Atlantic 10 showed in the non-conference, it's hard to really figure out what the identity of the teams is beyond that. No, and I, I agree with you 100% on that. Um, you know, we don't know, 
you know, I mean, we're, we're almost halfway done with the season for a lot of these teams. And, you know, we really don't know who has what yet. Um, I, I mean, it's going to make for, I, I think, a pretty exciting season, though, the rest of the way. Um, because, I mean, I do think it's it's pretty well wide open. Um, it really is. And I think that anybody who's like, well, the A-10, it's so bad that they're not going to have probably more than one bid. You know what? Okay, yeah. fine. Guess in a on an island, that stinks. But we are probably going to get to see some tremendously entertaining basketball sure. going forward. Sure. Yeah, and, I mean, we can enjoy it for what it is. I mean, again, um, you know, if, if, if you need to win the tournament to get into the dance, I mean, it makes seeding even more important, which makes, you know, these games even more interesting. Um, I mean, granted, I, I don't think the Atlantic 10 is going to stay like this for very long. I think we've got a lot of teams that are on the rebound and they're going to bounce back very, very quick. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, at the same time, um, the league, I, I hate to use such a trite expression, but the league is what it is. But that doesn't mean that it can't be entertaining and fun to watch the rest of the way. No, it's absolutely going to be. And I'll, I'll say this. When you're a fan of a team that is rebuilding, that does have stuff in the wings like Duquesne sure. is, this is not a bad year, you know what I mean, for the A-10 to be a little bit yeah. down. Because now the Dukes have a chance to... To, to learn they're not their mistakes aren't going to be punished as heavily as when you have a gauntlet in the conference they're going to be able to make some of those mistakes learn from the mistakes they'll get punished but not as bad sure. they'll still be able to pull things out I, I think that's just fine and in fact uh, one other thing I want to bring up is that Duquesne is actually at the top half of the league in a lot I would say the majority of statistical categories which I found really interesting yeah I mean do you want to share some of those yeah, absolutely, Steve. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think it should be a uh, surprise to anybody that Sincere Carey, let's talk individual players first, right? Uh, Sincere Carey is like number three in the conference in assists right now um, per game. Uh, Michael Hughes is uh, up there for field goal percentage, actually number three in the conference as well there. Um, if we talk about some of the team categories, uh, Duquesne is uh, third in the conference in points per game, which may huh. surprise some people, yeah, who think, oh, Dan brought, you know, is a little more defensive minded, et cetera, et cetera. Well, no, yeah. uh, right in the middle of the conference when it comes to field goal percentage. Um, That's you know, also uh, surprising. Yeah. Uh, fifth in the conference assists per game. Um, let's see here. Uh, surprise of no one. This won't be a surprise. What, what, if I had to pick one category that we were number one in the conference in Steve, what would you expect that to be? I wouldn't be surprised if it's turnovers forced. Uh, yeah, turnovers forced. Uh, tur uh, steals per game, actually, is okay. what I would say, is, is the category that we have here. Steals per game, Dukes are number one. And uh, while, of course, we haven't been thrilled with their uh, turnovers per game, they are actually just the second worst in the conference uh, at that. LaSalle is worse. Hopefully, yes. we will start to see them take better care of the ball. Um and that's something I don't think we got to talk about. They they did manage to get some decent steals and everything against St. Joe's. I uh, just want to shout that out. Uh, St. Joe's had, like, great turnover efficiency numbers, and uh, yet Duquesne managed to turn them over decently, uh, kept it kept it even there. So that's, that's pretty great. But, uh, yeah, a lot of areas in which, statistically anyway, uh, the Dukes are doing well. Here's another one. Uh, free throw percentage, actually sixth. So, again, right. top half of the conference there. Um, above some teams like VCU, St. Louis. St. Louis is actually worst field th free throw percentage in the conference right now. Ah, interesting. So it, it, it's really weird to see where some of these teams are stacking up, but uh, Duquesne's in a Midland, a favorable position uh, in a lot of these areas, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we're actually doing pretty well with uh, blocks per game. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean... You know, um, I think Michael Hughes leads the country in goal tens at this point. Well, but I don't know. Uh, he, I mean, but at the same time, though, he gets them while they're going up still sometimes, too. So We're, we're also third in the con Yeah, third in the conference, blocks per game. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I actually, truth be told, I think, I mean, Hughes, I want to backtrack for just a second. We're going to go way back to the St. Joe's game. But, I mean, he literally, his post-defense facilitated the turnaround um in the first half for Duquesne um there was some I, I think there were just uh four or five possessions in a row including the one that um Oliva got hurt on uh where he just disrupted the post so 
effectively that, you know, um, y you know, that, 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 you know, he either blocked the shot or, you know, altered it, you know, and, and, and ended up grabbing a rebound. So, I mean, that was a huge, huge, huge turnaround. Looking at the stats, he is currently ninth in, in the conference in mm -hmm. block shots. Eric Williams Jr., fourth in the conference no, 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 with rebounds. Michael Hughes, Michael Hughes. I know, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm skipping around to some other things, too. You're right about that. I agree. And Eric Williams Jr., fourth in rebounds. Sincere Carey, second in steals. Again, I don't think that's surprising for uh, for to anybody there. I, I think the one area where we do need to see somebody just kind of take over a little more consistently, and maybe Eric Williams Jr. is the guy, uh, the highest player that we have in terms of points per game leaders in the conference is Eric Williams Jr. at 18. Uh, so we do, and then we have Hughes behind there at 25. So I think that's an area where we have, uh, some room to, to punch up. Uh, and hopefully we will. Eric's had, uh, I guess some mixed performances lately, but, uh, I, I certainly can trust the he and Hughes and just behind Carrie. I mean, you gotta love Carrie on the first page of this number 34. So, um, that, that's, that's pretty awesome for a freshman. Uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about when you look at, the statistical position that these players have put themselves in. At the end of the day, all you can really do is play as well as you can and kind of see where that's, sure. you know what I mean? If you put yourself in the, in position and like, I don't want to just overly rely on statistics, but if the statistics show that you're putting yourself in a position to be successful and be efficient and all those sorts of things, then eventually it's going to come, right? You don't want to be results oriented. You want to be process oriented. No, I agree with that 100%. Me too. That's why I said it. Ha-ha. So that brings us to the end of this episode. We thank you so much for listening. There are a lot of ways that you could spend your time, and we appreciate that you spend it with us. We ask again, please, that you share this with at least one other Duquesne fan out there, whoever they are. We would love to get some more ears, hearing, listening, cheering the team. Uh, and, of course, please... Uh, Review us wherever you're listening to us, whether that's iTunes, Google Play Store, whatever else, or shoot an email to us, Dave at uh, wewearthering.net. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear your feedback. I've seen some co uh, comment here or there on the blog. I saw a review on the uh, on iTunes from a few different longstanding fans, different people who I recognize from uh, back when and from modern times. So it's it's good to see that. We would love for you to continue to come back and please check out our articles on wewearthering.net otherwise we'll be back with you again in a week and until then let's go dukes